dropping. Great. Okay. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Geordie. How are you? I'm good. So quickly we see each other again because obviously our conversation about mediums and clairvoyance and etc. <laughs> was uh, needed extra. Yeah, a few little extra droppings of... Uh... Extra droppings. Welcome to extra droppings. Yes, welcome everybody to extra jockey Droppings. What did you say? Extra jockeys. <laughs> As if you need any more jockeys in your life, Michelle. Oh. You're only five foot as it is. Oh, I know, I know. That's how it goes. So tell me, you now you thought we should do this little extra droppings mm. because of dreams. Well, while we were talking about mediums, etc., um, we ended up going off on a bit of a tangent, as we do, yes. but we were actually going on a bit of a tangent about visions and dreams. Now, I wasn't sure if that fitted into the psychics uh, and clairvoyance I, kind of half, basket. Half the shit I said in that last episode didn't fit into that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it, 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 it warranted or quarantined, that's on my mind, I don't know why, <laughs> warranted an extra droppings episode, which is just a little snippet of something more. Because I have a great story to tell, Michelle. Well, off you go, I'd love to hear it. Do you have one? I've got a few. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll try and keep it briefs. Okay, here we go. Well, you know what, uh, when we... Harking back to when we sent out the Facebook message to ask people if they had any stories for us. Yeah. There was a lady uh, from Australia who we'll call Lynn. And she sent me this. Actually, we won't call her Lynn. Let's just not call her anything. Maybe, Michelle, we're going to need you to go boop again. <laughs> well, that was going to be one of my apologies. Apologies for, for ruining the flow of the last episode. But anyway, um, go. Okay. Go, go. Well, anyway, this is from a lady called X, we'll call her. 25 years ago, a close friend of mine called Sam was missing for three months. During that time, I kept having dreams where she came to me saying things like, you need to find me, I'm rotting. What? I know. The fuck? Oh, my That's God. That's a scary dream in itself, right? Yeah, but I'm rotting? Mm-hmm. I feel creeped out. Well, don't forget, um, what did she say? She said her, her friend Sam was missing. So it may it may have been on her mind, you know, perhaps she's something's happened to her and she's fallen down a cliff, you know, jogging. Yeah, but or I'm rotting. What? Oh, no. oh my god. Anyway, continue. But you'd think when you woke up from that dream that you just think, Oh, you know, this is where my mind has gone because I'm worried about my friend and she no one knows where she is and Well maybe, anyway. but that's dark. That's yeah, really dark. dark. I'd see pictures of her. This is in her dream. I'd see pictures of her in her debutante gown with her throat slit like a red line around her neck. Let's just talk about debutantes quickly. I know that's a shocking image, but um, debutantes in rural Australia and, you know, the smaller towns of Australia. I'm not sure about the cities so much, but when you turn like, is it 16 or 17? You probably didn't have it in Canberra, but where I grew up in the coastal New South Wales, it was all the rage. When you got to a certain age, you had to ask a boy to be your debutante date, Debs. At Deb the Deb Balls. Ball. I remember yeah. the Deb Ball. But also... you do it at the, at the RSL club, you know, the soldiers club, and you'd have to go under a pair of swords wearing a white gown and get your Jesus. picture taken. It would be in the paper every year. I didn't do it because, as you know, I left home at 16, so I missed that one. But I wouldn't have ever done it anyway because that was my cure stage where I had black spiky hair and no boys would talk to me. <laughs> but is that the same... Apart from to spit on me. <laughs> oh, God. No. It was great fun. But is that... the 
But is that the same as in rural Australia where um, you have those parties where they get the sheep shearing? No, that's a B&S ball. Oh, a B&S, that's what I'm thinking. That's for grown-ups. That's a grown-ups <laughs> meat market. Oh, sorry. No, this is a bit more. I mean, my parents did the debutante ball. Okay. Oh, so this it's was a very old-fashioned thing. A bit posh. No, it's not posh at all because it's, well, maybe it is posh, but my parents weren't from money. But when I moved to London, um, I worked for Mulberry, I'll just say it. I worked for Mulberry for many, many years and we used to have we used to be in conjunction with the debutantes and put on a ball. No, not a ball. We'd put on we'd put all the debutantes that were that year and this is proper high society debutantes that would be in Hello magazine and whatnot Tatler. with their mothers, Tatler. Um, they would come and model for us every year for something that we did at the Savoy and I we used to work very closely with those Debs. Well, I don't they think very, I don't very think these Debs. I don't think these Debs are the same. No, but anyway, not at all. oh God! So look back to X yeah. and and this story. Because I'm quite shocked yeah. already. So she'd have images of her in her dreams, of her in her debutante gown with her throat slit like a red line around her oh. neck. Other dreams would be of her trying to give me her mum's phone number and the view from the boot of a rusty red car parked amongst bushland a house in the distance with a big veranda so very very visual images in her dreams and very specific too a red car a veranda meanwhile her friend is missing so this poor my my my, uh lady here ex she must be you know must be awful she must be beside herself these are really traumatizing images absolutely I'd wake up with the song The Road to Gundagai in my head. Now, I'm going to sing you a couple of lines if I remember it. As long as Spotify doesn't try and charge us. There's a track winding back to an old country shack along the road to Gundagai. Where my mommy and daddy were waiting for me. Well, I don't know the whole song. Sounds like a do, but I don't. Isn't this dog on the dog on the tucker box? Gundagai. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You looked at me blankly. It had something to do with my nana. I think she had some kind of connection to Gundagai. Oh, we're rude, um, nana. Yeah. Hooroo, nana. Um, road to Gundagai in my head. Right. Eventually, I told my mum and she phoned the police as well as Sam's mum. Because obviously, this girl's gone missing. No one knows where she is. Who my mum was good friends with. Sorry, I've just interrupted the flow there. I should have said, eventually I told my mum and she phoned the police as well as Sam's mum, who my mum was good friends with. The police got in touch, but I felt a bit embarrassed to say that I dreamed it all, so I didn't make any statements. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, what, I mean, we talked about this in last week's, in the last episode. We did a bit, right? yeah. Where you touched on the psychic detectives and one lady who went, this is probably why it, I thought of this. You talked about a lady who went and found a missing nurse yes. that had been murdered. She had told the police they did take her seriously to the point where they took her statement, but they didn't go looking. No. So your lady in your story did, and she found the body. And then she was arrested for the murder. <laughs> yes, not a great outcome for her. Not good. So my friend X here uh, chose not to even talk to the, the police, even though her mum felt that it was important enough to do so. Yeah, fuck. What would you do? Would you tell the went, police? Went, yes, I probably would. I mean, I don't know. I'd probably feel a bit stupid and say it all through. I, can, I, I don't know why I'm having these dreams. They're recurring. I'm having the same images each time. I just feel like I don't know if I believe in this, but I just want to say it to you. In case. Just in case. I would yeah. be the same. I would be absolutely the same. All right, I want to hear the end of this story. Go for it. I nearly had a heart attack when the news broke that they found her murdered. 
Televised photo of the crime scene were exactly as I saw in my dream. She had been murdered and stuffed in the boot of a car and abandoned at this property in Holbrook, which is on the road to Gundagai. No. Oh, my God. Fuck. She, just for a little bit of backstory, so it's not just this awful outcome, which is terrible, but she had been in an abusive relationship with her ex, who she had two young children with, and there had been drugs involved, but she had made a concerted effort to get herself out of a bad situation, so she left him and had taken her children. At one point, this man broke into her parents' house while they were away and stole things to pawn. Somehow, Sam found out and was understandably furious. She went round to his house and threatened to tell the police, so he murdered her while their five-year-old daughter was nearby. Oh, Jesus. He killed her with a hammer, then slit her throat. Fuck. Which, if you remember, she had this image of the The red line across the throat. With the debutante dress. Jesus. He has been jailed for life. Good. She wanted to say, in closing, that Sam was a tough, wonderful and outgoing woman, popular and immortal to her. It was hard to lose her and I wish I'd been able to help her more. It happened so long ago, but it is still fresh in my memory. I had never paid attention to my dreams before this, but I certainly take them more seriously now. I think you would. And I mean, that is terrifying Mm -hmm. because I'd like to know if X had any kind of psychic dreams before this. But I asked her, she said no. So this was just such a strong vision. Yeah. So look, what do you make of this? Because you are a little sceptical about things like this. Do you think that she did have some kind of um, precognitive dream, you know, some kind of premonition? All I can say, Michelle, is that I have actually had an experience like this myself. Oh, my God. I don't even know this about you. (laughs) What the hell? Well, I had a prophetic moment of my own when I went to collect my eldest son Mm. when he was younger from his father's house um so I went to collect him from my my ex's house which was a group house in Gypsy Hill and he they hadn't gotten back yet so I was there to pick them up at the end of a weekend or something there was a chap there an Italian man who was their flatmate or was staying there or something at the time so he let me in and we had a little chat while we waited for the boys to come home Mm. and as I was talking to him all of a sudden I had this flash in my head of a white bathroom covered in red blood what that's all it was he wasn't in it but or maybe he was in it I can't remember the actual image now but I know at the time I was I was young I was probably I was just about to turn 30 I remember because after that my ex came to my 30th birthday party and pulled me to one side and said because I told him about what I'd seen in my yeah. while I was sitting there because I never really experienced that before it was odd and I told him and he said Oh, uh, no, that's right. A week later, he came to my birthday and said, sorry, I'm all over the shop. (laughs) So anyway, my ex came to me and said that he had tried to commit suicide in the bathroom. No. And and the flatmates found him like that in the bathroom, covered in blood. Mm -hmm. So it was a premonition. Wow. Haven't had anything like that since, really. Well, that's intense. And, you know... It's all it's all really grim stuff. Like this poor mm. woman getting these, you know, psychic visions of her friend who had been murdered and you getting like a, a flash about this guy. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't connected to this man at all, whereas X was best friends with Sam. They lived together and they, you know, had done things together. They were, 
you know, soulmates, yeah. if, you, if you like, as friends. Yeah, Yeah, right. Well, because, I mean, I, I mean I've only ever had sort of one dream, really. Is it one dream? I probably had more where I don't remember because I don't remember anything. Um, you have lots of dreams, Michelle. I do. <laughs> I drew. I have big dreams. I have a dream. Big dreams. But um, no, I mean, I, I just had uh, a dream once where... I woke up and I and I remember dreaming this, but I actually remembered the dream because I don't know about you, but I don't really remember my dreams that much when I after I wake up. Sort of sometimes, have, sort of have a few seconds of memory and then it's all it's all gone. But um, yeah, I had dreamt that my sister was pregnant. Oh, yes, and we have a, a time delay, obviously, between UK and and um, Australia. So I called her and I said, "Listen." I know this is going to sound insane, but I had this really, really full-on dream about you last night, and you were pregnant. And she said, hmm, okay, well, what did I have? And I said, no, 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 you didn't have a baby. You were pregnant. And she was like, fuck, well, I actually went to the doctor today, and uh, yeah, I'm pregnant. And this Uh was with her second, and we were both like, a little bit freaked out but yeah it was true it was really really wow true. Mm. that's like uh what happened in the last episode as well because my friend hazel the clairvoyant that's real right. estate agent yes hazel also knew. had a vision in the shower yeah yeah well mine was like a dream dream but then you know it did remind me actually of this um this friend i have and uh she's she's in the uk and I don't know if she's got any psychic ability or not, but she told me this story of one day she realized she'd lost her wedding ring. And look, it was this it was a wedding ring of her husband that had passed on, late husband, and she she didn't realize immediately that she'd lost this ring and she looked everywhere for it and was nowhere to be found. And she was gutted about this ring. And so she she said to herself that night before she went to bed, I'm going to tell my brain to find this ring. And she quite I sometimes do that, Michelle. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so she quieted her mind, like really cleared it out. And then she said to her brain, or yeah, I don't know, subconscious part of her, her mind. She just said to herself, please let me dream where this ring is. And then, you know, she drifted off to sleep. And then the next morning she woke up with this really clear vision of where the ring was. And, to her, it made no sense where this ring was because it was down a road. I mean, it was kind of like near the house, but it was down a road that she she hadn't really walked down there in quite some time. But she thought, Do you know what? This vision was really strong. So she um, and she dreamed the exact spot. So uh, she got up and went there to look. And and like I said, this road was close to her house. So it wasn't, you know, like somewhere insane. And uh, she went to the spot and it wasn't there. And she was like, oh, fuck. And then she was like, no, do you know what? I really have such a strong feeling that it was here. And she got her hand and she moved a bit of dirt near the grass and there was the ring. Oh, wow. No, and she has no idea how it got there. No idea why, but she was so happy. And do you mm-hmm. know what? Like I've tried to apply this to myself because you've just said that you do this. And I've mm. I've tried it too ever since she told me that story. And because I'd lost 500 quid once in my house and I was oh. like trying to dream where it was and I never found it. 
the the money oh. was gone. Yeah. Well, it must still be in there, Michelle. Well, if it is, it's burned because it probably <laughs> went in the storage if it had been in there. <laughs> but um, and I've often like thought, oh, okay, brain, tell me like the lotto numbers never works, but. Yeah, I never found that money, so I need to because get better at it. Because that's forward. That is because you're asking about something that's going to happen, not about something that has happened. And is in all likelihood, if you've lost your ring, you will something will alert you to the fact that it's suddenly not on your hand anymore. I know this because it happened to me recently. Yeah, the diamond oh, fell out of my engagement ring yeah. in a shop when we were allowed to go in shops. I. I think I must touch my ring quite frequently to feel the reassuring feel of that diamond in 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 it, and I had put my hand on it and I felt the the diamond was gone, Fuck. and I thought because that's happened to me before with my nana's diamond ring yeah, years ago right. and a different marriage, <laughs> never found that diamond. <laughs> There's a reason. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I thought uh, my stomach just lurched. I thought I need to run out of this shop immediately, call my husband and bawl my eyes out. Oh, I'm so upset. But as I went to, because I was at the back of the shop, as I went to walk to the front of the shop, and I'd been in two shops before this one, yeah, and it could have been in any of them or in the street outside. As I walked to the front, I thought, I'll just have a little look and see if it's there. I looked down. This ring is, this diamond is tiny. It was this little thing shining on me on the floor. No. And I've got, as you know, I had the contact lenses in and my <laughs> eyesight's not very good. I looked down and there it was. Meant to I picked be. it up. I went next door and it was a bloody jeweler's next door, which that was the mistake. Well, that was, a, that that was a jeweler. That was a drama. Because they ruined it. Yeah, they did. But obviously you had a sixth sense about this. But you were well, saying. Well, I just remembered where it was. Yeah. I just, no, I just thought, I just calmed down for a second because I was ready to run out my first reaction was to run out screaming and crying and call Paddy and cry down the phone but instead I thought no hang on just you, it's it's a diamond it's worth looking for it of course go back to the front of the store if it's not there retrace your steps looking on the ground all the way you just never know and if you don't try you'll kick yourself yeah yeah well I mean it's amazing you found it but I'm curious to know what you were about what you were saying earlier um, that you have dreamed, gone to bed and thought about things. So how, wh- I think I must have read it in a magazine somewhere, <laughs> which is how we used to get all our information back in the day. Dolly. I think, yeah, <laughs> Miz and Dolly. I must have heard somewhere that if you think about it or ask your subconscious to reveal the whereabouts of things that you've lost in the night yeah. or before you go to sleep, then they come to you. And I think it's, it has actually worked. Any examples? No, I can't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there you go. My pride. Where did I leave that last night? Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, you know, I remember that we had a false alarm in my family about this kind of thing because my dad was absolutely convinced. This is a nice little tiny girl. He was convinced that he had seen a blue flash. And it was a vision that he and his one of his best friends had died very, very, very recently. And he thought that it was a, a vision of of his friend because he'd seen this blue flash. And um, and for weeks he was going on about this blue flash. And, he, and I remember when he had said the night he'd seen it, I knew that it was me because I'd gotten up in the night and I had these um, blue uh, Chong Sam style pyjamas. And I'd gotten up and I'd seen my dad and I thought, oh, oh, he's awake. I'm going to get in trouble if he sees me. And I zipped back up and he must have seen the blue flash of my pyjamas. But he was convinced, (laughs) really convinced that he'd seen this blue flash. And uh, You didn't tell him it was you? 
I'm sure my mum did. I think I confessed in the end. But okay. um, but yeah, I, I mean, maybe she didn't. But yeah, I know that I was the blue flash. I should ask my sister about mm-hmm. that. Um, but in terms of dreams, have you ever, have you ever um, dreamt about someone and then they've called the next day or yeah 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 I have this all the time actually and happens waking as well often I'll be thinking about someone and they'll ring yes this happens to me I mean it happened just the other day I haven't talked to my friend Davor for god months and months and months and then I'd had this weird I say weird dream. it wasn't a weird dream it was just a dream where he appeared in it you know it wasn't anything strange literally the next day he messaged me out of the blue it's like hey mags long time and I was like oh my god I was just thinking about you and so I do think there is something in this whole you know like pre well maybe collective intuition or is it pre this whole like collective consciousness like you were saying about um with the crosswords yeah Mm. I don't know I don't know but then I had a um a really vivid dream about my friend Joe so I sent him a text I was like I had a really weird dream about you, okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. So, you know, it doesn't always mean no, it something, doesn't. I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, there you go. That's that's the little add-on then. Is that all we've got? Well, more – well, I was going to say I, I did a little bit of research about people who have premonitions because I'm – there was a point where I was watching um, this show called Air Crash Investigations and I watched – That sounds good. It's what? That sounds good. It is, but it also makes you terrified to set foot on a plane. And um, yeah. and I came and I found a few stories about people um, who'd had premonitions that their plane was going to go down before they got on the plane. That's terrifying. It what is. would you do? Would you cancel? Well, this is the thing. Like, what would you do? Because speaking of one, and he's like, anyone in Australia will know this guy. He's a, like, you know, veteran um, journalist called Mike Willisey. He was on Australian 60 Minutes for years. Um, so anyway, he famously had a vision of his plane crashing when he was on location filming in Kenya. But uh, he just needed to get wherever he was going, I don't know. Um, mm. So uh, despite having this really, really strong urge not to get on the plane. He actually got on. God. And you know what? Oh. Plane crashed. It, oh, MG. It crashed and he survived. But apparently <gasps> he was quoted as saying when the plane was going down, all of he, all he could think of was, I was right. I was right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I... Because I think I've... That's your intuition again, isn't it? You don't ignore your intuition. No. Whether it's prophetic or whatever. Yeah. Just go with your gut if it means you have to lose 1,600 pounds for a flight to Australia. I mean, Australian flights are so long. It's 24 hours in the air. And if you're a nervous flyer, it doesn't bear thinking about while you're up there. No. And even For 24 hours, that anxiety will kill you alone. Yeah. But then I, you know, like I said, I watched oh my god like six series or whatever of this air crash investigations and it does make you nervous to get on a plane Mm -hmm. and then I think well is it intuition or is it just me going for it's gonna go down like Mm -hmm. I don't know you don't know and then another famous one um was this guy from blink 182 the drummer right okay do you remember this no. I think I heard that his plane did crash. Didn't yes. It? So Travis. Is he the one with all the tattoos on his neck? Yeah, I think and so. Face? Travis. That's very 
in vogue these days, isn't it? Oh, Facial and neck tail. Oh, it's so ugly. Please don't do that to your faces. No, please. Everyone <laughs> sound like an old fuddy duddy. Oh, everyone's beautiful just as they are. You don't need that tattoo. <laughs> um, no, but Travis Barker. So, yeah, like I said, drummer from Blink-182, he had a plane crash premonition before he got on a flight. So this was back in 2008 and he was in South Carolina. And before he got on the flight, which, mm. by the way, was a Learjet. So um, that's oh. how that's how you do it when you're rich and famous. But anyway, apparently he had called his dad and said, listen, dad, I have really bad feeling about this flight. But he got on it anyway. And I, What did his dad tell him to do? Did his dad not say don't go? I think his – well, he was on loads of drugs at the time. Son. And I think his dad probably went, oh, mate, you're on your meds. Like, Whatever. Yeah, just get on the plane. Um, but I don't know. So, Mr. Barker, if you didn't say that, sorry. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, so he got on the plane and it went to take off, but it didn't even get past the runway. It crashed during takeoff. Oh. Totally went up in flames. And sadly – Four of the six people on the plane died. But, yeah, he survived. And Oh, no. Yeah, so he's he's on record. I mean, not, um, it's not bad that he survived. No, it's great he survived, but shit. I know. Really, really shit. And then another plane crash premonition. So this one I dug up. Um, again, uh, Carolina, but this time North Carolina. I don't know what the deal is about Carolinas. Anyway, um, so Careful, there, Michelle. I know. <laughs> so <laughs> there was this guy called Mike Fridley. Um, and this was from a story I read in, like, uh, must be a North Carolina paper called Sun Sentinel. And he said he'd never had a premonition before about not doing something. But this premonition was super, super strong. Um, but he ignored the premonition. So what happened was he was going on a fishing trip with his mate, Graham Wood, into the Everglades. And his mate Graham had a plane. So I guess it was a small plane and and Graham was flying. So anyway, they went up in the plane over the Everglades and the engine cut out and they ended up crashing into the Everglades. Into crocodile infested waters. Oh God, I don't know if it was into waters, but I think it might have been more in sort of foresty part of the Everglades. Mm. And um, so he, what I find really interesting about the story is that when it, happened Mike he said he didn't panic because he kind of knew it was going to happen so he Hmm. was super super calm about it and when he realized that the plane had crashed and that he could unstrap himself from the seat he just was really calm about it all because he he wasn't panicked because I think maybe mentally he'd already been preparing himself a little bit for it and pulled his friend out of the plane before it caught on fire, walked a couple of kilometres with a broken ankle and a broken sternum away from the plane, carrying his friend on his shoulders. 24 Mm -hmm. hours went past. They finally were found by his friend didn't make it. Oh, Lord. I know. Wow, what a story. I know, but I find what I thought was really interesting is that mentally – part of him had must have been prepared for this and that's why he was so mm. calm so even though he didn't sort of do the do the thing where he didn't get on the plane he didn't say to his mate graham not getting on mate not going fishing he got on the plane but he knew so yeah mm-hmm. i think it's really quite full on mm. and also titanic loads of people ha- for months had been having um, psychic dreams about that ship going down Really? Yes. Yes, they did. Tell me more. Tell me more. Well, so look, I don't know too much about this, but, um, you know, Titanic, massive ship, went down in 1912. 
which is God, more than 100 years ago. And apparently, yes, people were reporting that they'd had psychic dreams um, before it went down about, you know, it's sinking. And Hmm. um, yeah, even though no one could stop the disaster, people knew it was going to happen. That's all I got on that. But really, I think it obviously has been documented that that happened. So, Mm. you know, this has been going on for... Paddy had time. relatives on, on the uh, Titanic, yeah, well, you, my husband. You had a piece of jewellery from the Titanic. Well, I believe it travelled with them on the Titanic, yeah. Well, they got off at Cherbourg, so they were all right. Right. But uh, apparently it was his grandmother or someone like that, or his aunt, who had written a letter from the Titanic and sent it uh, somewhere to a relative. But apparently because they had been homeschooled, her writing wasn't great. Her spelling wasn't great for her age, like she was seven or nine or something. Mm. She was terribly embarrassed. She sent Paddy's mother years later to New York to bid on the letters and buy them at whatever cost. Really? New York? No, London, Sotheby's, London, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. they, they had to stay in the family because the shame of this illiterate <laughs> child's writing is so great. No, she was only little. <laughs> oh, poor little thing. But, yes, I mean... You know, aside from the fact that I wish, I wish I could be more psychic in dreams. I would love to have that gift where I could either know something that's about to happen or kind of sort shit out for things that are currently happening. I would love that that gift because I do think that dreams can be a warning about things that are going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that it's, it is possible to have... Um, a premonition about future things because and I know this might sound crazy but a little bit going back to what Ben Green said about how can we possibly know everything um, I do think that there is a possibility that there is collective consciousness that there is and if that if you kind of agree on that or not even agree but agree that it's a possibility then maybe me personally anyone Anyone. Anyone. That if there is this idea of collective consciousness, then maybe, mm-hmm. you don't have to agree on this because this is a bit out there, but I was thinking it through, okay. then maybe time <laughs> isn't linear or maybe we're just living one version of our life and maybe there are thousands of different versions uh, that are uh-huh. ahead or behind, that are our present, our past. I don't know. I just, I just feel like we can't cancel things out and that maybe sure. these dreams are a way of tapping into that collective consciousness i don't know or of lines crossing over each other or it might just be bullshit i really don't know it's something i would i don't know either i would like to give more thought to but i just don't have the time well you know what i'd like to i'd like not to give that any thought to it whatsoever because my head will explode if i think about (laughs) that one too hard oh well there you go that's all i got okay well that's it for today then oh well lovely little extra droppings thanks geordie for sharing your story it's my absolute pleasure. I'm glad to have got that one out there. And thank you to my writer inner X, Miss X, for sending that because it was an extremely sensitive subject. Oh, God, and really, really awful. I feel, I really feel yeah. for her because I can imagine those visions stay with you and they yeah. probably never fade. I think they would still be no. really fresh. But, oh, yes, thanks for your story, X. Sorry that happened yeah. to you. So tune in next uh, Wednesday, is it? For yes, next Wednesday. A regular, a regular dropping of eavesdropping. See you then. Eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.